Wow, I'm just looking out, uh, and, and for those of you that haven't heard my news, this is, this is my last weekend here. I got a job, and, uh, and, I'm, just, and I'm, just looking, I'm just looking right now, and it's kind of emotional uh, just to see all you guys and, and to know your stories, and there's so many friends and so many people that I just, I just love, so I'm going to try and get through this sermon, okay? All right, so we're talking about angels today because angels are an, an integral part of the Christmas story. And that last song that we just heard, Angels That We Have Heard On High, that's been sung in churches all over the world for the last 200 years. Maybe not in that version that takes you back to 1998 radio. It was awesome. Don't we have a great worship team that leads us in worshiping our God? It, it's just awesome. I, I love this community. Anyway, so uh, this song's been sung for like 200 years in, in the church. And actually, you probably heard it in shopping malls and, and all sorts of things. But this, this classic song it's actually based on an ancient text that comes from Luke chapter 2. It says that, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the refrain of that song, right, it goes, Gloria, right? I'm not going to sing that, <laughs> not in front of all of you. I don't have the gifts that, that Dan and this team has. Uh, and, and the in excelsis Deo, Gloria in excelsis Deo, is actually a Latin translation of this verse. It says, glory to God in the highest. Glory, that's the angel's song. That's the angel's song. And, uh, and so we see uh, that when we turn to Luke's gospel, and Luke is the doctor who gave an account of the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so we're in this series called A Doctor Examines Christmas, and we're looking into this well-ordered, well-researched uh, account of Jesus' birth, and we find in there there's a virgin birth. That's pretty spectacular. And then we get to, like, this, this angel piece. And, I mean, angels? I mean, come on. I mean, we're... We're, we're educated people. We're modern people. I mean, re angels? Really? And I think for a lot of us, it's really easy to get tripped up on this, to get tripped up on Christmas, to get tripped up on Jesus altogether. I think that the temptation for a lot of us, because it, it just seems maybe a little weird, angels seem a little strange, or maybe you've heard a bunch of strange things about angels, and then you see it in this well-ordered, well-researched account from Luke. Like, what do you, what do, you do with that? And I think that the temptation for a lot of us is to miss the whole story because we don't understand one part of the story. We miss the whole point of the story when we don't understand one part of the story. Uh, let, let me tell you about a, a strange experience that happened to me. I, uh, I really hesitated about whether I wanted to share this with you. Pastor Chris said, ah, just go ahead and do it at your last week. Uh, <laughs> that's not what he said. <laughs> but, but I want to share this with you, and, and, uh, and, and it was very strange, I, I, and I had, had trouble just kind of figuring this out. So uh, the story goes like this. Uh, in 2007, I was a senior in uh, high school, at Valley High School in Des Moines. That's actually where we're moving back to here in, in just a week. Uh, and I was really involved at my church in the worship band. I play guitar and uh, really, really involved. And this particular weekend, there was a junior high retreat at Riverside Lutheran Bible Camp in Story City, Iowa. So I was there, and I was helping to lead worship, and the band was awesome, okay? Just really, really good. There were three electric guitars, so you know 
it was good, right? You know it was good. Uh, we had the bassist, he was awesome, the drummer was awesome. We even had a mandolin player, that was really fun. And then we had our singer. And the singer, bless his heart, uh, he, was, he was serving, but, and he would be the first to say that, that his singing was not really the best. He was just the one person that would actually do it. And luckily, fortunately for us, we had the same equipment that our worship team has. We had these little things where we could put in these little headphones that would, you put them in there, you can't hear anything on the outside, and then you can hear the music uh, the, the, of the instruments that you're playing. So if I want a little more bass, I can turn it up. If I want to hear a little more of my guitar, I can turn that up. And if I want to hear a little bit less of that guy singing, I can turn him down, okay? So that, that's uh, what we're walking into. And then the students come in, and we start playing worship, and the sermon gets preached, and it's emotional, and it's powerful, and it's amazing, and it's just, it's just a really great night, okay? And we get to this part of the night, and all of these students are actually praying for each other. So no one's singing, and the band is playing an instrumental music, just kind of setting the mood, right? And, uh, and no one's singing anything, and so we're just kind of sitting down, playing some, some mood music while people pray. Then all of a sudden, I hear the most beautiful voice I'd ever heard in my life. So beautiful, I, I, can't, even, I can't even describe it. And I look over to my buddy, who I thought he was a five, and miraculously, he went to a 500 or something like that. Nowhere near his microphone. In fact, there was no one by his microphone. And I thought, well, that's, that's really strange. And so I look back to the soundboard, and, well, there's no one back there with a microphone. And I look out in the crowd, and, or the, the congregation, that's probably a better word than crowd. Uh, and, and I look out there, and, and no one's singing. Everyone's praying. Where is this voice coming from? It's so beautiful. And then there was like this little bell that sort of rang in my soul, like, could this be the voice of an, an angel? And as soon as I had that thought, I was like, okay. Okay, there's a lot of emotion here. Um, let, let's just kind of try to rationalize this. Let's take a step back. I knew that that camp food was a little strange. Uh, so let's, let's just try and rationalize this. And, and that's the temp I experienced the same temptation. I was missing the point that God was present with us because I didn't understand this one part. I didn't have a category for angels. And a lot of us, when we come to the Christmas story and we see that angels are included in the Christmas story, and we're like, how, what do we do with that? Do we just kind of forget that piece? Do we throw it out? Do we throw the whole Bible out? Do we throw the whole Christmas story out? And I encourage you, don't miss the whole point because you, you don't have a category for this one part. Because for a lot of you, when you think of angels and what you've heard about angels, you've kind of seen the movies and stuff, and, and they have, maybe you saw Touched by an Angel. Anyone ever see that? And Touched by, okay. Anyone ever see angels in the outfield? That was part of my research for this sermon. Uh, that, yeah, I loved that movie with Danny Glover. That was fun. Um, and, and so we, we hit all these ideas from culture about angels. There's that, that picture the angels are like little babies or little, little cabbage patch dolls with little wings and halos and stuff. Uh, or, or maybe you, um, you've heard, seen that picture of like there's an angel on one shoulder telling you what's right, and then what's on your other shoulder? A little devil telling you what's wrong, okay? So uh, there's all these pictures uh, and ideas that we have about angels that we kind of read into the Christmas story. Uh, for some of you, maybe you came from a church background where they were so focused on angels and demons that they forgot about Jesus, right? And maybe it got a little weird. Um, every time that they found a spot during Christmas season at the Rosedale Shopping Center, it was their guardian angel, right? But every time a Bible fell off the shelf, it was a demon that needed casting out. 
And it, and it got a little weird. And you're like, wait a second, how come it's the same people that have all these angel stories that have the same stories about Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster? What are you supposed to do with that? How are you supposed to believe that? And then we turn to the Christmas story, and there they are, angels that we have heard on high. And what do we do with that? So here's what I want to do in, in the moments that we have together. I want to take a, a minute just to, or a couple of minutes just to go through what, is, what picture does the Bible actually present about angels? Because these guys are integral to the Christmas story. And then I want to look at what does the angel song mean for us today? What does the angel song mean for Christmas? What difference does it make for our lives, even if you're a skeptic like me? Okay, does that sound good? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to dive in real quick. Uh, the first thing that you need to know about angels, we're going to do four things that you need to know about angels, that the Bible presents about angels. The first thing is the angels are supernatural beings that cannot be explained naturally. Now, that's kind of redundant. Actually, it's very redundant. The supernatural means that you can't explain it naturally. Your five senses aren't what you use to gain a, a perfect understanding of angels. Angels are spiritual beings, very much like God, but they are not God. And since they're spiritual beings, your five senses, your sight, taste, touch, smell, all that stuff, that you're not going to be able to wrap your mind around these things by just using those. That's why faith is an integral part of our relationship with God, because God is a spiritual being, the ultimate spiritual being. But in the same way, angels are spiritual beings, and so we, by faith, trust what God has put in his word about angels. And, uh, and, and, you know, if angels are a problem for you, let, let me just encourage you with this. I, I don't want you to miss the Christmas story because, um, because angels are supernatural and you can't wrap your mind around it. You're not designed to wrap. You don't have the hardware to wrap your mind around spiritual beings. Sometimes we encounter them. Sometimes we don't. But here, here's the deal. If you can put your faith in a God who loves you, a God that created the world, a God that sent his son Jesus born in the flesh, who grew up to be a man, was crucified on a cross, put in a grave, and rose from the dead three days later, it's really not that big of a faith step to say, okay, well, maybe God has angels uh, in heaven or around us that we can't really wrap our minds around. It's really not that big of a faith step. So that's what I want to encourage you, uh, that angels are supernatural beings that can't be explained naturally. Number two, angels are warriors who carry out God's judgment on evil. Now, I, I want to clear something up about angels. They're not cute. They're not cabbage patch dolls, okay? They're not, they're not like these little baby things that are all nice and giggly, you know? They, they didn't show up to the shepherds and say, ha, 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 we have really good news. No, they were warriors. And, and if you look throughout scripture, you see all these stories, like in Genesis 19, uh, there was this city that was very wicked, and this city uh, had ample time to repent and to receive God's grace and love for them. And, and you know how they responded to God? They responded with wickedness and rape. And, and they were very hostile to travelers. And so God sent angels to say, the city needs to go. And they destroyed the city. In the Exodus, the final plague was brought by an angel, allowing God's, uh, God's children to escape from slavery. In fact, there's, there's a story that I really like. Uh, about a guy named Balaam and his donkey. Has anyone, have, have you ever heard of Balaam? Uh, Balaam's a, a funny character. He was very disobedient to God, and he was, kinda, he was going the wrong direction on his donkey, and God was a, pretty upset with him and sent an angel that was going to carry out judgment. And the donkey saw this spiritual warrior in front of them with this sword, but 
Balaam, who was more stubborn than his donkey, imagine reading that in the King James, where they use a different word for donkey, okay? He, Balaam was more stubborn than his own donkey. He couldn't even see this warrior who was about to carry out God's judgment upon his evil actions. And so angels are supernatural beings. They're warriors who carry out God's judgment on evil. The next thing that you need to know about angels is that angels are the spiritual protectors of God's people. Here's another misunderstanding. A lot of us think that angels, you have one on, on one shoulder telling you the good stuff and one on one shoulder telling you the bad stuff, right? That's just not a biblical picture of angels. Angels are not your moral guardian, okay? The Holy Spirit of God is our moral guardian. Jesus said in John 16 that the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide us into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us to live righteously, to live, live lives that reflect the character and love of Jesus into the world. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Angels, on the other hand, are spiritual protectors. So look at the, these two uh, scriptures that describe angels. Uh, God's talking about angels in the, songs and, uh, in the Psalms, and it says, for those that put their trust in God, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I, and I love this one. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who inherit salvation. They care for us. They watch out for us. They protect us spiritually. They're not our moral guardians. And then this last one is the most important one, especially when it comes to thinking about Christmas, okay? This last one is that angels are evangelists. Angels are evangelists. Our church is a part of a community of churches called the Evangelical Covenant Church. And this word evangelical comes from the Greek word euangelion. Turn to your neighbor and say euangelion. You sound good. That's good. Good job, everyone. That's, that's Greek. And this Greek word, it means to proclaim good news, to proclaim the gospel. And, and when you look at this word evangelist, we kind of separated it here. You can see right in the middle, you see angel. The, in the root of evangelism, to bring good news, we're a community of churches that are committed to bringing the good news of God's love for this world. Angels are in the same business. Part of being an angel is that you're bringing good news of God's love into the world. And this is exactly the picture that Luke gives us of angels. So uh, Luke, uh, when he tells the Christmas story, there's this angel named Gabriel. And Gabriel shows up to this priest named Zachariah, and, and Gabe says to Zach, Hey, Zach, you and your wife have been having some trouble having kids, but guess what? Good news, you're going to have a kid. And it's going to be a really big deal. And then nine months later, Zachariah and his wife had a kid. Well, actually, it was Zach's wife. Zachariah wasn't involved in the birth anyway. And, uh, and so um, they had this kid named John. And he grew up to be John the Baptist. How many of you heard of John the Baptist? Okay, think 2,000 years from now. How many people will raise their hand when they hear your name? John the Baptist was a big deal, a really, really big deal, just like the angel said. And, you know, you might expect an angel to come to a priest because, you know, they're like religious and holy and stuff like that. And so Zach, he must have been kind of a big deal. And John the Baptist, he was a big deal. But then Gabriel, the angel, comes to Mary. And Mary was probably about a teen, teenager or so. She was a young lady. And she was engaged 
to Joseph to be married. And then Gabriel shows up and says, Mary, this is going to be awkward. You're a virgin, but you're going to become pregnant, okay? And you're going to have a son, and he is not going to just be a big deal. He's going to be the biggest deal. His name is Jesus. And then Mary did have a son named Jesus. And he was and is and forevermore will be the biggest deal. Just like the angel said. And you know, you might expect an angel to come to a priest. You might expect an angel to come to uh, the very mother of Jesus. But then, the angel came to someone that you might not expect. It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And you need to know that uh, shepherds, we talked a lot about shepherds last week, but shepherds, uh, they weren't necessarily the upper echelon of society, okay? They, they weren't necessarily known as super religious people. They didn't really have great reputation. Some of, them, some of them actually had a good reputation. Some of them were wealthier, well-respected. But these guys, well, they're the night watch in the little town of Bethlehem, okay? These guys, they're, it's like working uh, security at an outlet mall in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, okay? That's what this job is like. And so these guys, they're not important. They're not well-to-do. They're, they're ordinary dudes. And yet, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, uh, picture this scene with me for a second. Um, you're a shepherd. Poof. You're a shepherd, okay? And you're uh, out there, and your flocks are just kind of doing what they do at night, and you're keeping your eyes out for uh, predators and for thieves because these sheep are your livelihood. And, and, uh, and then uh, it's pitch black. I mean, it, it's just you're in the dead of night. And then all of a sudden, someone turns the lights on. And it wasn't that the sun came up real fast. It wasn't that someone threw an extra log in the fire. It wasn't even the halogen headlights on the angel's SUV, okay? It was the very glory of God. And it lit up the night. And the glory of God, which is normally something that's just reserved for the temple and for the, the religious elite who are holy enough to be there, now it was on the farm, being experienced by ordinary dudes. I suppose they could have been dudettes. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, shepherds generally were men at that point in time. But by ordinary shepherds. And then look at, uh, look, look at it. It says that they have great fear. Now, this is really important to understanding this passage and what it means for Christmas and what it means for us. They had great fear. Why did these shepherds have great fear? They had great fear probably because um, they all of a sudden came into contact with the supernatural. I don't know about you, but that probably, that's not a normal occurrence for me. Probably wasn't super normal for them. So imagine you're driving home today, and then you look in your rearview mirror, and poof, there's Gabriel. Hey, good news, green lights, all the way home. You know? That would freak you out. You'd be like, what is going on, and how did you get in my car? That would be a bizarre experience. So they are filled with great fear. But here's the deal. They didn't have a picture in their heads that angels were like little cabbage patch dolls and they were cute and fun and just your moral guardians. They knew that angels carried out God's judgment on evil. And if an angel came to a priest or a Pharisee or some religious person, well, 
I mean, that's probably because they have some message from God and it's really important, but if they came to a shepherd, I mean, these, these shepherds, they knew the kind of life they led. They knew that they didn't deserve to stand before a holy God. They didn't deserve to stand before an angel. And if an angel showed up, an angel who carries out God's judgment showed up, maybe there was some condemnation heading their way. Maybe God was finally tired of all their antics. But here's the best part of the passage. The angel didn't have a message of condemnation. The angel saw their great fear, and the angel said to to them, look at this, fear not. Why? For behold, I bring you good news, euangelion. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Fear not. I have good news for you. I don't have a message of condemnation for you, shepherd. I have a message of good news. You can trade your great fear for great joy. And this message of good news is for all people. It's not just for the upper echelon of society. It's not just for those that have their lives together. It's not just for those that are the super elite religious people. It's for ordinary people like you, shepherd. This good news is for all people. This good news is for all races. This good news is for all socioeconomic statuses. This good news is for all people regardless of how well behaved they are or how good their church attendance is. This good news is for all people. Fear not. I have good news. And so what was the good news then? The angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's right, Rick. I love this guy. That's good news. And when when the shepherds heard this, their eyes would have gotten really big. And their heart would have been beating in their throat because Israel as a nation had been praying and anticipating and waiting for literally hundreds of years and wondering, is this Messiah guy ever going to show up? I think a lot of us feel that, that way sometimes. Is Jesus ever going to show up again? Because it's pretty dark out here, and we're just trying to get through the night and keep all of our sheep, okay? And the Savior was born. This was the biggest news that they'd ever heard. And I imagine that after they had freaked out and jumped up and down, that, and their heart was beating really fast, they probably said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, Mr. Angel, you said something funny. You said unto us us. You know, we're shepherds, right? We're not the ones that like are super holy and spend our whole lives trying to, you know, just please God all the time. In fact, we've kind of made a couple mistakes, maybe a few mistakes on purpose. And you're saying that he's born unto us. You say, it's born. The Savior is born unto you. And I imagine that these shepherds are like, this is weird. How can we even believe this? Did we eat some weird camp food? What is going? How can we even begin to understand this? So the angel says, and this will be a sign You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And this is where that song comes in, that song that we sing all over the world. And suddenly there were with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. If I was one of these shepherds, I would have been wondering if I ate some weird camp food. 
it would have been really easy for me to maybe miss the whole point of the story. I mean, even if an angel came to me, I'd, I'd want to just kind of rationalize it away. I mean, and that's, that's the way that I would be, would you? What would you do in that situation? I mean, it's really easy, I think, sometimes to miss the whole message because we don't understand one part. For me, that part would have been weird. Kind of like when I was at Riverside Lutheran Bible Camp. That, that felt weird. What do I do with that? What is Christ, how can I believe in Jesus? How can I believe that Christmas means anything for me when there's stuff like angels? But I hope you don't miss the whole point. The shepherds didn't miss the point. Did you hear the point in the angel's message? What's the message that we have heard from the angels on high? It's that there is a savior even for shepherds. Even for shepherds. There is a savior for ordinary people. There is a savior for people that actually are extraordinarily bad. There is a savior for people that don't make good choices in life. There's a savior for people that make great choices in life and think that they're all that in a bag of chips. There is a savior for shepherds. There's a savior for us, and he's born unto you. This means that you don't have to have your whole life together before receiving God's grace. This means that you don't have to understand every facet of the Bible before receiving God's grace. Grace. You don't have to understand every single aspect of the story to get the message, to receive the message that God loves you so much, and he's so crazy about you, and he sees the darkness that we live in, and he wants to save us. So will you go to him, shepherd? This is what the shepherds did. Look, look at this in, in 2.15. It says that when angels went away from heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Will you go to him? Will you explore it? Because something happened in a manger 2,000 years ago. A little baby was laid in a manger and angels came. Something happened. And about 30 years later, something happened where this baby grew up into a man and that man lived a perfect life and then he was crucified on an ordinary Roman cross. And he died and they put him in the grave and Jesus Christ rose from the grave declaring a victory over death. A victory none of us can get on our own. He declared a victory over sin something none of us can earn on our own. And he declared a victory over the darkness. That famous Christmas text, those sitting in darkness have seen a great light, just like the shepherds, sitting in the middle of the night and then the glory of the Lord shone all around them. Trade your great fear for great joy. You know, a lot of you are afraid. A lot of us. There's a lot that's dark in this world right now. A lot of us, we just don't know what's next in this next season of life. We don't know what's next for this person that we love. We don't know what's next for our job. And it's kind of scary. We don't know, uh, and there's all this anxiety because between here and here, there's this space. In that space, we don't know what happens in that space. Will you trade your great fear for great joy? Will you trade your great fear of, of all the things like Ebola and cancer and ISIS and, and school shootings and everything that you see on the news? We live in a world that's dark. And it seems like we can try to do things and we can put posts on Facebook and social media expressing our opinions. But then a couple weeks later, a couple months later, there's, there it is again. And sometimes it just seems like there's no hope. There's a savior. 
for shepherds. It's good news. He's born unto you. Will you go to see him? Will you trade your great fear for great joy? There's a passage that uh, uh, is later in Luke's gospel, the same account of Jesus' life. I want to share it with you. Uh, and this is really important for us understanding these angels and shepherds and all this stuff at Christmas. Jesus is telling a parable. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. A couple of verses later, he says, in the same way, there is more joy in the presence of God's, what? Angels. Even when one sinner repents. You know, Jesus, he knew his audience. Shepherds. Will you go to him, shepherd? There's a savior even for shepherds. About three years after this bizarre encounter at Riverside Lutheran Bible Camp, I was back. Uh, and I wasn't on the worship team this time, I was actually just worshiping. And, uh, um, and I, I decided I was gonna raise my hand to praise God, just like this, I had my eyes closed. And weirdest thing, I got a high five. <laughs> um, it seemed so bizarre, uh, and, and that little bell rang again in my soul. And I felt the tension, and I had a choice. Was I going to miss the whole point because I didn't understand one part? Or was I going to acknowledge that God himself was present with us? Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Go to him. There is a savior for shepherds. <laughs> Gloria in excelsis Deo. Amen. Uh, receive this blessing. Holy God, we praise you that you sent your son for shepherds like us, for ordinary people. You're the God that loves the ordinary. You take ordinary people and ordinary lives and you transform them. So help us now to receive your transformation, to receive your love, shine your glory around us so that we might give you praise. Glory to you forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, before he heads out, we gotta pray for this guy. Um, I'm, I was having a flashback. I, I, was, I remember introducing you for the first time, you know, and it just seems like that was not very long ago. And uh, Bethel at the time said, you know, you're going to get one of our best. The seminary said that, and you, you are. You're, you, you've done a fantastic job. And they didn't tell us you were going to get a guy that was touched by an angel. But, uh, but, uh, but, but it has been a blessing to watch. To walk with you and uh, so let's pray for Nick let's pray for Michelle come on up we are excited for you guys it's hard to say goodbye but we're excited so <clears throat> if you're part of the excuse me prayer team or if you're one of the elders or if uh, you've been a part of the, the ministries that Nick's been a part of would you come on up here and let's pray for let's pray for Nick and Michelle as we send you guys off to the south to the south home church home church God bless you. Oh, God, we are so thankful. Um, Father, you, 
you know all things and you do all things well. And we thank you for allowing us to have this season where, where we had a chance uh, not just to walk together, but, but we've run here together. And, and Nick has run his race really, really well. Um, Lord, he's made the most of his formal education there. Lord, he, he wasn't just going through the motions. He, he was digging in and he was learning and growing and, and stretching. And Lord, here, Lord, he didn't just do an internship. He, he came in and he, he invested in people and he spent hours and hours not just preparing messages, but, but seeking a word from you that he could come and share with us. And we've been on the receiving end of that, that blessing. Lord, and, and we know that it isn't just Nick, but it's Nick and Michelle that have been called into this, this life together and this journey that, uh, that only you can see the end of. So we, just as he prayed for us, we want to speak blessing now into their lives. Lord, that no weapon formed against them would prosper, that you would open every door that uh, you would have them to walk through, that you would steer them away from every door that you would not have them to walk through. We thank you for this provision, um, and what a great place where they can be close to family. But we also pray that as they go forth, they're going to sense that they have this extended family way up there in the great white north uh, who really loves them and cares about them. And, and Father, we, we look forward to the day you reunite us, whether it's on um, this side of eternity or the next. So pour out your blessing on this family. Um, thank you for the time that we've had together. In Jesus' name, amen.